Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of Everything Vive. I am Zane here with my good friend Ronnie. Ronnie, how's it going, man? It is going great. How are you? And I'm doing pretty well. We have another exciting episode for you today. And so uh, usually on these days, we like to focus in on a topic that is of mutual interest to us. And so today is a little bit different. Well, no, it's not a little bit different. Let's just... It, I was curious, and Ronnie and I were just kind of having a conversation about the improvements or the evolution of VR all the way back from Kickstarter through the dev kits to where we are at now with consumer-ready headsets. And so uh, just in that conversation, learning about it, I thought, uh, is just a good kind of background and foundation for VR. And Ronnie is the man in terms of knowing just, he's been following this stuff for many years, and I thought it'd be kind of cool to have a conversation with him uh, in terms of his thoughts. And so, you ready, Ronnie? Yeah, I'm definitely ready. Well, so, b- before we preface yeah. it, I mean, Go ahead. What, like, do you want to you want to start us off? Uh, sure. I mean, I guess I was just going to say that uh, I can still remember the first time that I really uh, knew anything about, uh, you know, where virtuality was heading, or you know, found out rather that people were really working on virtual reality in a new way. Uh, it was a video, I believe, uh, Brad Shoemaker from Giant Bomb uh, was uh, interviewing John Carmack. And I, I want to say, it may, I, I'm, I don't remember exactly if it was at E3 or if it was QuakeCon. I think it might have been QuakeCon. But he basically, he was interviewing uh, John Carmack about this, uh, this weird headset that he had that was all kind of duct taped. And it just looked like something that someone had made in the garage. And the way, so, you know, Brad, who was the, uh, the, 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 the guy who was trying out the headset, uh, was, was just talking about this thing like it was the most amazing thing he had ever seen. And he said, even though, you know, this is all just duct tape and, and you know, kind of, you know, just, you know, a bunch of different weird scraps kind of put together that, you put the headset on on his on his head, and he felt like he was actually in in Doom Three, which is the game that was being demoed at the time. And you know, watching him and hearing hearing about what he was seeing made me think, man, like this is something really special. This is something unlike you know anything else that I've I've seen before. And hearing John Carmack kind of talk about how up to that point, uh, virtual reality, like he had been working on virtual reality in his spare time, blah, blah, blah. Um, but that, you know, there were finally certain types of advances in some of the underlying technologies to get the latency low enough uh, to really start making breakthroughs. And I believe actually at the time he, he mentioned Paul Merlucky and in uh, some of his, uh, his work um, in virtual reality as well. Now, um, just, just to, uh, just a brief listeners in on who all these guys are. I know Palmer Lucky's at Oculus. If you could go through the uh, the other guys you mentioned and just where they were at or, or you know what the yeah. roles were. Sure. So John Carmack at the time was working. Uh, he's he's one of the founders of id Software, which uh, if you know, you know, Doom and Quake and all of those games, that was the the company that that made those games. Um, and he was he he was a founder and a developer at id Software, who was then bought by Bethesda, and eventually uh, he moved over to Oculus uh, as a chief technical officer, I believe. So he's 
So John Carmack is currently the chief technical officer at Oculus. But at the time when I was watching this first video, at the time that I was watching this first video, uh, he was he was still working um, at it and, and I guess Bethesda. So so this was just, you know, before the name Oculus was being thrown around, before we knew anything about Valve working on virtual reality. It was the single developer talking about, you know, kind of his almost individual, uh, you know, interest in virtual reality and, you know, and and kind of seeing what what he was working on in his own time. So so that was kind of that was the first time that I I saw modern virtual reality um, being implemented. And it seemed super exciting. And then shortly thereafter, in the next few months, uh, we started getting a taste on on what you know, the Oculus Dev Kit 1 was was eventually going to be in, in the Kickstarter and all of that. Gotcha. Okay. Well, and what what year or month can you place us in time? Well, I'm just curious how how long ago this experience for you was. Um, I mean, it was probably, I, without looking at it specifically, I mean, it must have been a few months before any of those initial Kickstarter uh announcements or, or oculus was announced so i would imagine it was probably sometime in 2012 oh, okay. um but i mean it was yeah it was a good few months to a year probably prior to prior to any talk about oculus form formally as a company and as a, a virtual reality you know initiative so so yeah so it was but it was it was definitely kind of out of the blue and I would have never guessed that it was going to turn into, you know, an entire industry in and of itself within just just a couple of short years. Yeah, that's very true. I, I mean, just thinking about or listening to your experience with it, it's uh, it's kind of crazy that you got excited just from hearing about their experiences because I don't know for some reason I just feel like most people it's so easy to be a skeptic of something like virtual reality because it's always been like one of those like, yeah, it's coming, technology's not there yet, and you really don't actually get the sense of it until you're in it because uh, even yeah. words can't describe. And so, you know, I, I mean, personally, I think I was probably one of those skeptics not even three, four months ago where I was just like, oh, yeah, virtual reality's coming, like I keep hearing about it, and then lo and behold, meet up with you for dinner one night, you show me the <laughs> vibe, and I'm like, wait, what is this? <laughs> you know and so uh yeah no i mean i think i think part of that came from just you know i i've been a long a long time fan of giant bomb and and those guys over there they're there it's a video game website you can go check them out at giantbomb.com um so i i i trusted their opinions of the stuff i've also been a long time fan of john carmack and and some of the stuff he does over at id and bethesda you know prior to moving to oculus so I already knew a lot about the people behind this and then seeing them get excited about it and hearing their impressions made me think, okay, this is probably something that is definitely worth checking out at the very least. Um, and that got me excited to the point where I knew I wanted to try it to see where, where it was. Right. So, so when I first saw those videos, there wasn't a Kickstarter, there wasn't, you know, any way to, to, to be a part of, of the development process of, of virtual reality. And so it was kind of, okay, I'm, I'm going to watch this video and kind of hear what they have to say. And man, the future sounds really exciting. It wasn't until, you know, 
Oculus came out with their Kickstarter and people were actually able to get their hands on dev kits uh, that 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 process became a reality. And I think it was that initial seed of excitement and wonder that I had that had fostered within me when I watched those early videos that eventually made me decide to bite the bullet and, 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 and order a, a dev kit. Because for me, you know, I, I couldn't wait any longer. I had heard so much about this stuff from people that I really trusted. It sounded super interesting. And whether it was actually as, as amazing as people were saying, you know, I, I needed to know for myself. And I knew that I didn't want to wait until, until this stuff was, was on the market. This is, we're talking, you know, early, probably early 2013 ish. Um, and people were talking about, you know, virtual reality at the time, you know, not hitting consumers until, you know, 2015 and onwards. Uh, so, so I just knew that, okay, I, I don't want to wait two, three years uh, to experience this for myself. I need to know firsthand, like you were saying, uh, I need to know for myself whether this is something that's that that I believe is going to you know change the gaming landscape and technology landscape. Honestly, yeah, so, I mean it's not just gaming anymore, which is actually yeah. really really I I like that part of it because it's not just gaming. It's there's so much more that it can be applied to. Yeah. So that's why. So so yeah, I ordered I ordered the dev kit. I was super excited. I it it was going to take you know I think several months at the time until I was going to finally get it because uh, it was back ordered so bad. But I just you know was counting down the days, and when my dev kit finally arrived, I, I pulled it out of the box and and hooked it up. And and I, I don't know if I mean that's that's one thing I think uh, talking about the setup of of the dev kits. Uh, compared to the consumer uh, products that are out now, I can tell you that setting up the uh, the original dev kit. I mean, for me, it wasn't that bad, but it was definitely kind of a trial and error. You would have issues here and there. It was not something that even a somewhat like most consumers would not put up with the kinds of stuff that I had to put up with yeah. in order to get my my early dev kit to work. Because we're talking, I mean, basically the computer would see the early dev kits uh, that Oculus was releasing as just a second monitor. So, so it's not like you would plug it in and you had software detecting it as virtual reality gear and just kind of working. It was more like you would plug it into your computer and now your computer saw that there were two screens, your normal screen and this other weird screen with a low resolution in it. And that was the headset. And you, you know, would have to decide whether you wanted to mirror the screen or what you wanted to, how you wanted to change the resolution. And then, and then hopefully the, the games that you had downloaded from these random developers would work properly. Most of the time they did, especially early on. Um, but, you know, they were finicky too. And nothing, you know, not everything worked seamlessly together. And, and so it was, it was just kind of, uh, yeah, the, the whole installation process and making sure that the headset worked uh, was kind of an ordeal in and of itself. Gotcha. Well, it's funny. I had a couple talking points before we got into the episode, and I think uh, I think you hit all of them already in terms of... <laughs> but, well, I mean, we were trying... So what we're trying to do is just 
cover your experience and notice the improvements from dev kit to consumer ready. And I know two of the things that we had mentioned initially were setup and software. And I know, and so it sounds like the setup has been streamlined uh, quite a bit since that first yeah. one for you. Uh, and obviously software is another one. I don't know if you had any extra thoughts or comments on it. Um, yeah. So, I mean, as far as software is concerned, yeah, like I was saying before, it was, everything was kind of a little bit different. There was, you know, that there was this famous, uh, or at, at the time famous, uh, Rift Coaster uh, app that was running on the Unreal Engine. And uh, that was really cool. Um, it ran, like I said, you had to install uh, Unreal Engine uh, distribution software and then kind of get that running. It worked differently than a lot of the Unity-specific titles. And everything just kind of had its own little quirk. So there wasn't this, like, there was no uniform way of launching apps. There was no, uh, there was, there was no in headset display. So you had to launch everything and then put the soft, the, the, uh, the headset onto your head and you couldn't exit out of the game or anything like that from within the headset. You just had to take it off and close it on your computer so there was no no great interfaces. You know, I, I'd say text was a big thing that people, I mean, they're still working on user interfaces in current virtual reality games, but especially in the early dev kit days, um, I think no one really had any sense of how to handle like stuff like teleportation or especially the user interface stuff. So reading things in virtual reality was really difficult especially on the lower resolution headsets. So I just, I mean, thinking back to the kinds of stuff that I put up with <laughs> in dealing with the dev kit, and obviously it was made more for people that were experimenting with, with early, uh, you know, early software development themselves. So it wasn't meant for consumers or anything like that, but just seeing, seeing kind of getting a chance to firsthand see what Oculus, what Valve, what uh, what these big companies would be able to do with hardware to make it ready for consumers? It's, it was really interesting because you kind of you got to see firsthand, uh, you know, what it took to take something that was just experimental and polish it up and 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 add the software levels necessary for for normal people to try to to try to use the hardware. So so that's so that's I guess what I would. What I would say I noticed the most as far as as far as the software is concerned. Yeah, I mean I, that's actually one of my favorite features is the fact that uh, I mean I can do so much from within the headset now, uh, being able yep. to exit games. Like you can actually look at your desktop and you know manipulate or even like use things on your desktop um, while you're in the headset. It just it just feels super smooth is a word that comes to mind because. Um, you know, there's no break in gameplay. There's no break in, uh, you know, setting up one thing or the other or having to load up another game. Uh, it's just a really fluid like, OK, I'm in the one experience. I go straight into the next one. If I got to check something on my computer, I can do that. Like, um, you know, you never you never leave that virtual space, which is actually uh, really nice. At least it's been for me. Yeah, no. And that was one of the things when I when I got my my vibe that I was super impressed with because. Um, yeah, going from an early Oculus dev kit all the way to the consumer version of the Vive, uh, with no steps in between. I just instantly thought that was super cool how you were able to 
you know, get to your desktop, manipulate programs through both the desktop and through Steam. And I thought I thought Valve did a really good job of of making uh, the Steam platform itself, uh, you know, applying it to virtual reality in a way that made sense and made the UI uh, accessible in a great way. So, so yeah, so that that was all cool stuff. Cool, cool. Well, I got one more note here. I think you had mentioned ergonomics earlier, and I just figured uh, maybe you had some commentary on how that's improved from dev kit to consumer ready. Sure. So, um, so, yeah, I mean, as far as the dev kits are concerned, I mean, the dev kit basically looked like, you know, a piece of plastic that was held to your face with almost like a like a goggle strap on the back. So it, re- it literally looked like it was just um, a bit... A, a big plastic goggle, a uh, pair of goggles on your face. <laughs> so, and, and I mean, I guess it wasn't too heavy or anything like that. Uh, the original dev kit didn't have any type of outside sensing technology. So no cameras, no lighthouses, none of that stuff. Um, so it really was, was almost more like a gear, a gear VR in that sense. Like it, it just kind of saw your, your pivoting of your head and that was it. So maybe that's part of why it was quite a bit lighter, but, um, but yeah, I mean, no comparison. It didn't look like, it looked like something that was, that was, you know, kind of rushed out and, and no one had really spent a lot of time making the thing comfortable or really fit to your face. And I think, you know, both Oculus and, and Vive and HTC did a great job with their final consumer versions. And I've heard nothing but great things about, about uh, the PlayStation VR too, as far as ergonomics are concerned, I've heard you know perhaps it's it's the, it's one of the best. So um, so I think all of these companies are are definitely taking note on what makes something uh, comfortable for people, and then making that into a package that you know is 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 great. I mean, one thing that I was super impressed with when I got my Vive was just how nicely everything was packaged. And how as soon as I opened up that huge box that I felt like, you know, I was getting a, sure, the price tag was hefty, but but I felt like I was getting way more than my money's worth when I opened that box <laughs> and, and kind of saw. You felt like I, you were getting you know, the future. Exactly, exactly. And it was packaged so well. And, and like I said, I, I mean, as far as, I, I really think these companies did 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 these the launches for these right. I mean, hopefully we'll get more and more killer software uh for all of these, you know, headsets to make virtual reality uh, continue to be a strong market. But I mean, I think for for people that did uh, bite the bullet and purchase a consumer headset, I think most people should probably be very satisfied with what they're getting so far. So, yeah, agreed. I mean, I remember when I was just doing my my research and re- reviews uh, or reading reviews of the Vive and Oculus. I mean, everybody, their big complaint was always like, oh, I can't wear the headset for too long because, you know, it's heavy on my face. And I'm just like, you know what? That's that's such a small price to pay for the experience that you're having. And I mean, you you know that going in. It's not like, you, you know, the, the premise of virtual reality is wearing these things on your face. And I feel like, like you said, they've done a great job of making them as comfortable as can be with the current technology. And I think it's only going to get hopefully more comfortable as it goes, you know, hopefully there's less moving parts. Hopefully there's uh, less weight to it as parts get smaller, you know, I mean, all all types of 
small minimal improvements that can actually greatly enhance the uh, the overall experience uh, on the consumer yeah. level. No, I totally agree. So I think everybody's learning from each other. So I, I think I think these headsets were great starts, and I think they're only going to get better. Awesome, man. Well. Let's uh, let's wrap this episode up here, uh, and I hope that was a little enlightening for anybody who was just curious about the experiences from dev kit to consumer ready. And obviously, we'll be following as the, the new headsets and new platforms come out. And so, yeah, we'll cut this one here. Make sure you guys tune in on Friday. We got another game talk for you, which we're really excited about. Uh, and yeah, again, we're on iTunes, Stitcher. So leave us a review. Uh, or subscribe to the podcast. Let us know how we're doing. Uh, you can always shoot us a quick email at contact at everythingvive.com. We've been getting some awesome feedback, some great questions. And uh, yeah, we love we love chatting this stuff with you guys. So definitely keep in touch and we will be on the air. Uh, we'll, we'll be back and talking to you guys very soon. I don't know how, to, how else to put it, but you good, Ronnie? Yep, I'm great. So it was nice talking to you. Awesome, guys. Have a great rest of your week. We'll be in touch soon. Take care.